You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Welcome you all and thank Anna, my dear wife, for sharing the message this morning. I'm looking forward to it. I know she's been spending time with God and asking him, Lord, what do you want to speak to us? And she's going to be sharing some things that the Lord has been teaching her over the last uh, couple months. And I think that's going to be a theme for our church's just asking that question, what is God teaching me? And I hope that a number of uh, other people will be able to share on that too. So let's give Anna a very warm welcome. Welcome back from morning tea, everybody. Everybody at home, welcome back. Thank you so much, Satui family, for your beautiful ministry this morning. It was awesome to feel God's presence. I'm like, yes, Lord. <laughs> and it was cool too because one of the, you know, one of the songs you chose, I had a backup plan if you weren't able to worship, and that was one of my songs as well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're really thankful for having you here. Thank you. So let's, let's pray, hey? Thank you. Father, we just come before you this morning. Lord, we humble our hearts, oh God. Lord, we ask you to take off any filters, Lord, any blindness, Lord, in our hearts. Lord, just, uh, Lord, we ask you to still our hearts right now. Lord, help us to hear you. Lord, help me to, to share only what you want to say today, God. And Lord, I pray let anything of myself just fall to the wayside, Lord. Father, I thank you that you're with me. I thank you that you've spoken this word to me, Lord. I thank you that this word is for your people this morning to encourage them. Lord, to, Lord, to minister your life to them. Father, let your word be powerful in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, the, the main scripture that I'm going to start off with is from John 16:33. I've been so blessed by John. I was in John over the, over the break and just uh, looking at Jesus again, but it's just been awesome. And the text is, I have said these things to you. And Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to you guys, his disciples this morning. That in me you may have peace. Everybody say peace. peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You will have tribulation. And we need to know that as Christians, we shouldn't be surprised when we go through. The scriptures tell us, don't be surprised when you go through all sorts of trials. We're no less than Jesus, and he walked through 
so many things, and we're, we're just following in his footsteps. The Greek word for tribulation can also mean affliction, distress, oppression, troubled, troubles, pressure, suffering, persecution, hardship, and difficult circumstances. And the word overcome in the Greek can also mean conquer, prevail, to be victor, vanquish, outstrip, excel, to be victorious over, to triumph. And God's funny because he doesn't, with God, overcoming doesn't mean he suddenly takes you out of that circumstance. But he calls you to grow. He calls your spirit man to grow as he walks with you through that thing. But it's talking about overcoming the world. It's not like the world's mindset where it's just, you know, squishing something down. And, and when we're talking about overcoming the world, I had the picture of like a boat on the ocean, and the ocean, we're like, we're like, our lives are like that boat, and the ocean is the world. It's not always going to be like this. One day it won't be. One, time God, one, one day God's kingdom is going to come and invade this earth fully and completely, but right now we are God's kingdom on this earth. Amen? But that boat is on the ocean. The ocean is the world. But when storms come and we go through difficulties, it's like that bits of that ocean, that water can get in the boat. Right, but we need to be very uh, careful to immediately get rid of the, the water in the boat, the world's mindsets, the world's thinking um, in our heart. And if we don't, we'll sink. But the Lord wants us to over- overcome. He wants you to make it to the end. Again and again in Revelation, Jesus says, he who overcomes, and there's so many awesome promises, God wants you to make it to the end, not just crawling in, but looking like Jesus. Amen. You will go through tough times, but with Jesus, you will overcome. And not alone, not by yourself, not in your own strength. In the world, overcoming can, you know, when you say, you need to overcome, I'm going to be buff, I'm going to just toughen up, I'm going to be stronger, I'm going to grip my teeth, I'm going to prove to everybody who doubted me that I'm a success, that I'm an overcomer. That's a boat full of water right there. Right? There's a boat full of water and it's going to sink. That is not overcoming in the kingdom. And we're going to look at what it looks like to overcome in God's king, um, kingdom. Glenn has been preaching um, just such beautiful messages lately about how Jesus' wounds, you know, how God's life and his healing flows from Jesus' wounds. And he was talking about last night, last week, how all the temptations that Jesus faced in the wilderness were about Satan trying to get Jesus to do things independently of the Father. He could make, turn that, that stone into bread. He could, you know, have thrown himself off the temple and been, been saved. He could, you know, call down the angels to, to save him from the cross. But he was submitted to the Father. And the only way, way that we can overcome the world is being united with the Father, being submitted and one with the Father, just like Jesus was. And also just like the Holy Spirit was too. Jesus said, I don't do anything on my own. I only do what the Father tells me to do. And the Scripture says that that's how the Holy Spirit is too. He doesn't do anything on his own. I'm the Holy Spirit. I can just... Yeah, I'm freedom, I'm freedom. I can do whatever I like. You know, you think the Holy Spirit's free. But Jesus says in John that the Holy Spirit only says what he tells him to. 
right? So this is, if, if Jesus is like this and the Holy Spirit lives like this, we need to be like this too. And this is how we can overcome. This is what it looks like to overcome the world. And this is, uh, Glenn shared a bit of this in the, in the Bible school. To come out of a trial sweeter, loving Jesus more, trusting him more, experiencing his goodness, and all bitterness gone from your heart, and sincerely loving those people who hurt you. You come out of that difficulty totally dependent on Jesus for your life. You're dependent on him. And you live submitted to his will. That's what an overcomer looks like. And they may come out not looking too pretty, but their spirit, there's a sweetness. There's a sweetness. There's not a bitterness. And, you know, it's not, when you go through stuff, our immediate reaction is either in the flesh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to react, you know. Or the other thing is, and I'm sure many of you felt like this, and I have, is you just want to run away and live in a cave and be a hermit. And protect me from these painful people, you know. I'm never giving my heart again to anybody. I've been hurt so many times, right? But that's not overcoming either. That's without God. Both are without the Lord, right? We want to allow the Lord in and allow him to work in our hearts. Only with Jesus, only in him can we overcome. You cannot do it in your own strength, in your own striving. This is um, the word that the Lord keeps saying to me through everything that we've been through with COVID and you've seen many people, you know, go to the side or um, he just kept saying so many issues out there, people focusing on so many different stuff. As the Lord keeps saying to me over and over, just fix your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on me, Anna. And I felt my, myself like getting really upset about situations and looking at things and you know, getting worked up. And, and even though you may be right about getting upset about something that was wrong, if you keep looking at that thing, I, I knew that I would be, end up in the same pit, right? <laughs> so they're in a pit and you just keep looking in and, what? <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> this pit's nice to be with you. But, you know, but the Lord kept saying, keep your eyes on me. And that's the only way that we're going to make it. That's the only way we're going to endure everything. There's so many distractions right now. There's so many things in the world. There's so many voices saying, look at me, look at me. And you hear it in Proverbs, you know, woman, Lady Folly is yelling out, listen to me, listen to me. <laughs> right? And it's loud. But then the voice of wisdom is saying, listen to me. God is saying, look at me. And... I'm not going to apologize for repeating scriptures that you may have heard before because if we hear them again, it means God really wants you to hear it. And I know for me, I need to hear things over and over to get it deeper and deeper in my spirit. I want it imbued. I want it just as Jesus was the word made flesh. I want the word part of my flesh. I want it in my soul, in my emotions, in my thoughts. Amen. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that, that's marked out for us. God doesn't want us to be up and down or off, or off or on. He wants us to persevere. And the only way that we will is fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. 
That's how you started your race, was turning your eyes to Jesus and him saving you. And that's how you finish your race. And that's how you live every day in between, is fixing your eyes on Jesus and receiving his life. Amen? I don't know, just need Jesus on, you know, on the bad days. I need Jesus on the good days. I need him on every single day. And I've learned, I've learned more and more how much I need him. That's the biggest lesson of my life. I need the Lord. I can't, I can't do one day without him. Amen. Just um, after Christmas, just all the, you know, you know, as a mom, you just keep going. It doesn't matter the stuff happening, the difficult stuff. You're just so busy. You just, you know, you're spending time with the Lord, but you're kind of still going, just the next thing. And I find, and um, when I stop, that a lot of this, you know, the stuff that you didn't have time to deal with, all of a sudden it just settles in, right? <laughs> so I felt after Christmas, I was really, and when we had that break at church, I was really battling um, a deep sense of sadness every day, and I just felt exhausted in every way. And I, the, the picture I had was um, of a whoopee cushion that someone just sat on. <laughs> And I was that flat whoopee cushion. Like all the life just going. That's <laughs> what I felt like. Hope I didn't sound like it or smell like it. But um, Yeah, but that's what I felt with. But I, I knew that I had to turn my eyes to Jesus. And I, I just want to encourage you there is, don't, all of us have re- received encounters with God in our lives and, and times when God has got a hold of us and he's spoken personal words to our spirit. Might might have been a prophecy or might have been a word that God spoke to you in your personal time with him or during worship. And I just I just as I was praying yesterday, I, I just felt the Lord say that he wanted to remind you to hold on to those words. And the two, uh, there's been many words that I've had to hold on to that God has spoken to me. And I want to remind you that those words are not just for that moment when you're in the presence of God and when you feel him so closely. And, you know, his presence is there whether you feel him or not, right? But those words are for you to hold on to for every day of your life. Right? Hold on to God's words. Remember the things that he's spoken to you. One thing that God has said to me is, um, and I'll never forget it, you know, when I was at Brownsville, and I've shared this before, while everybody was having, like, different experiences, but the thing is the Lord knows us. He knows what we need, right? My need is not the same as the other person. My flesh is different to their flesh. The things that I struggle with is different to what they struggle with. So I was like, Lord, whatever you want to do in me, I'll... I'll Lord, if you want to whack me over the ground and I look ridiculous, that's all right, Lord. I just want to be touched by you. And the Lord kept saying to me over and over again, know me in my word, Anna. Know me in my word. He knew that I was a person who could easily be led by my feelings. Right? But the Lord kept saying, know me in my, in my word. And the longer that I've walked with the Lord and been through stuff, his word has become more and more precious to me. Don't forget the words of God. There's been many times, you know, in my life when there's been like a rhema word where God has said a word to my spirit. Another time he said, when you're nothing, then I can use you. And there's been many times in my life like, am I nothing yet? (laughs) (laughs) Am I nothing? (laughs) Right? 
there's been many things that God's spoken to that have, had, uh, that have been like words that have kind of forged the path for my life. And hold on to the words that God has spoken to you. Don't let, let them go. They're not just for that moment. They are for now. God's word endures forever. Hold on to those words to the end. Amen. So I remembered, I remembered the words of the Lord, fix your eyes on me. And, um, and in my, even though I felt so exhausted, so sad, I just kept coming to him every morning like, Lord, I just want to look at you. Jesus, I just want to turn away from all the distractions. Lord, I give my emotions to you. Lord, I ask you to heal me. But I want to see you, Jesus, again. I want to see you, Lord, and who you are. And I kept coming to him no matter how I felt. And um, I just went back to the Gospels and asking the Holy Spirit to show me who Jesus was, who Jesus is in the Gospels again. And uh, the more I read about Jesus and how he dealt with people and just who he is, I'm like, God, you are awesome. You are so beautiful. You know, he, he deals with people so differently. He does things you wouldn't expect, what a normal person would not do. He's, he's amazing. And I just want to encourage you, too, that you can never wear out the word. I have been, I've read the Gospels um, so many times, and don't discount your story. Oh, yeah, I know that story. Got that one down. You know, like, <laughs> just, you know I, every time I come to it and I ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me, God shows me something new and fresh. It's like, it's like the depths of the ocean. You can never exhaust the depths of God's word. Amen. To keep asking the Lord. If you, if you come to it with your own thoughts instead of with a humble heart and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal you, you get over it real quick. It's going to be dead boring. But if you ask the Holy Spirit to feed you, ask God to feed you, it's going to be exciting. As I continued coming to Jesus and looking at him and his word, he healed my heart. He strengthened me and filled me with his peace. It got, you know, it, got so, it was so bad. I felt, Lord, I don't even know how I'm going to minister anymore. I don't know if I can go back to church. And, and, but I, I want to tell you, God so did a work in me as I continued to look at Jesus that even the memory of it seems, who was? I, they're so distant because God's word works. God does it. If you keep coming to him, he will heal you. And I had to do that many times in my life. But he does it. And one day, like, oh, I'm not, I don't have that anymore. I don't have that every time I think about that situation anymore, Lord. You've done it. He is faithful. And he will heal you. He heal you. When I started thinking about other people and what they were doing, and I'm, I'm always quickly reminded of what Jesus said to Peter. Do you remember that when he's talking about, um, John, uh, about Peter and, and John? He's talking about to Peter at the end after his resurrection. And he said, one day, you know, someone's going to lead you where you, don't, where you don't want to go. And he said, he looked at John and said, well, what about him? <laughs> what about him? Like just looking at him. And, and, uh, and Jesus said, what is it to you if he lives forever? <laughs> And, and Jesus is saying to you, get your eyes off everyone around you. You follow me. Jesus said to Peter, you. What, what, what does it matter to you? How I lead so-and-so or what they're going through. You follow me. 
Amen. And you can, you know what? You can only follow someone as you keep your eye on them. You can't. Jesus is over here, you know, looking at everybody else. He might, you know, if you, you take too so long, if you take too long looking at everybody else, he might have moved on somewhere, and you're like, "Where are you, Jesus? Jesus!" And you've got to reconnect every day. We need to be looking at him and get your heart in that habit. You know, every time you find yourself looking at other people or what they're doing or comparing yourself to so-and-so, or how come they don't have to go through what I'm going through, or how come they don't do what I do, or, you know, you go, oh, Jesus, we've all got an individual call, right? It's all different. God treats us, he, he loves us all the same, but he leads us a bit differently because he knows how to deal with us, right? He's a good father. I, all my kids are very different. I have to discipline them differently too. Because some of them, you know, you'd say something like, ah! and other kids, you know, I won't, anyway, they're here, I won't say anything more. <laughs> another, uh, another time, you know, I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again because it is, this is an important um, thing that the Lord spoke to me. I remember Steve was worshipping when... COVID was happening, and I was down here just weeping before the Lord and just weeping, and, and um, I'd spent many hours just weeping and crying out to the Lord for people, and just looking at this person, this person, they're struggling with their faith and crying, and, um, and the Lord, and I had a vision of me just running after Jesus, just pursuing him, just clothed in white, and just running after him, and the Lord said to me, you know, follow me, pursue me as you pursue me. Get your eyes off all the other stuff, off the other people. As you pursue me, other people will follow, right? And we can get bogged down by what? So-and-so is not doing so well. You know, but you pursue them. Pursue God. Pursue him. And as you pursue him, other people will follow. Amen? Follow him. Corey Ten Boom. She's, oh, I love her so much. She's, uh, if you want to watch a good movie, The Hiding Place. It's an old, old movie about her life and her and her sister. Um, they, they were Dutch, weren't they? They were Dutch? And they, they hid people during second, hid, hid Jews during Second World War. Yeah, during the Second World War. And they were taken to, um, to some concentration camps. And they went through horrific stuff. Her, her, her sister died in prison. But she, the Lord taught her so many things. And she's, you know, I, would, I watch videos on YouTube sometimes of her teaching, like in the 70s, YWAM, and she's got white hair, and she's just, she's committed her whole, whole life to serving the Lord. Um, but she, she's, if you want to hear a good word, listen to her. She's, she's beautiful. But there's such a sweetness in her, even though she's been through so much suffering. And she says this, and I love it. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. Amen. Yes, she says, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. And, yeah, you know, we can feel spiritual even looking at ourselves and looking how bad we feel. Oh, God, I'm a mess. You know, and there is a time to cry out to God and to pour out your heart to him. But as you do that, look at him. Look at him. 
And who you, who you cry to is who you trust, right? Who you cry to is who you trust. So if you don't know how to do that, look, read Psalms. Psalms is all about that. If you want to know that intimacy and learn that relationship that, that David had, read through Psalms. Following Jesus and looking at Jesus is not just imagining a picture of Jesus in your minds. I'm following you, Lord. I'm looking at you or a picture of Jesus or, you know, it's much more than that. It means taking note of how Jesus lived. So when you're reading um, the scripture, remember how the Lord spoke to me, know me in my word. You're reading it not just to not to know stuff, you're reading it to know him. You take note of how Jesus lived, how he responds to people, how he responds to pain, to persecution, how he responds to the government, how he responds to people's expectations. (laughs) It always amazes me who he is and paying attention to what he says and making that the standard for our own life. That's what it means to follow Jesus, continually asking him, to work his nature in us and having confidence that he is. When you ask him to do that, Lord, work your nature in, in me, just be confident. It's not your efforts. It's your, just you surrendering yourself to him. Don't you think he's going to answer a prayer like that? Don't you think? He's such a good father. He loves prayers like that. To properly look at Jesus, we have to be near him. You know, seeing those... Um, those, you know, investi- murder investigations shows us, did you see the guy? Well, he was over there. It was really hard. You know, I think he was wearing a red cap. You know, or did you, did you see him? No, I was, I was driving by really fast in my car and I just got a wish, you know, to, be, to know Jesus. To properly look at him, you need to be near him and you need to stop. You need to pause and take time. Give him time. It's difficult to give a good, descript- good description of someone from a distance or someone you're passing as you speed by. To look at him. Give him time to look at him. Now, the next thing I'm going to share, and these are just things that the Lord... Um, spoke to me while I was, during, during that time, this is just some of the things, and God willing, I might share some more next week, but this is the thing that really just turned the corner for me, that turned the lights off when I felt everything was dark, and I was reading in John, so the next day, John 1, 29 says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in John chapter 1, later on, it's, uh, later on down the chapter, verse 35, it says, Again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. If, if you want a picture, just in a couple of verses that sums up discipleship, this is it. Looking at Jesus as he walked, he says, behold the Lamb of God. 
Amen. This is discipleship. Not say, look at me, look at me, look at me. <laughs> Behold the Lamb of God. If you want to truly disciple someone, you need to be looking at Jesus. Not looking at all the people you disciple. You can't, if you continue looking at all the people around you instead of looking at Jesus, you're going to go off course. If you want to be a good disciple maker of Jesus, you need to be looking at him and, and pointing to him as you walk and telling you dis- people that you're discipling, behold the Lamb of God. John was prophesying Jesus in from the beginning. The Holy Spirit really highlighted, highlighted that statement to me, behold the Lamb of God. The word behold is an imperative. It's as urgent, it's of vital importance, it's a command to look, to see, to take notice, to pay attention, to listen. Now let's go to um, Revelations 5. You might all have to put your seatbelts on because I'm going to read some scripture, a long passage, but just I know it's, um, it's easy to kind of doze off, but just uh, allow God to speak to you. Pay attention, behold. And this is the thing that turned the lights on for me. This is the thing that took me out of the pit, beholding the Lamb of God in Scripture. And the Holy Spirit was revealing this to me. Now, in the world, if we, the world, uh, Wants a savior, they expect them to look all buff like Superman, right? I'm your savior. This, you know. But this is what a savior looks like. This is someone in the kingdom. This is what overcoming looks like. And it's completely different to the world. Revelation 5. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open it and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed over the scroll and to loose its seven seals. So you get ready, you know, turning ready for the lion, like the lion in Narnia, to come out. I'm here to open the scroll. And this is what comes instead. Verse 6, and I looked. And behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes. It's like complete, perfect strength. Horns is a picture of strength and and eyes of, of vision and wisdom, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, what is he? Is the lion of Judah or the lamb that was slain? What is Jesus? He's both. He's both at the same time. And because we, we read in, in Philippians 2, I'll just quickly go there. 
because he was the lamb that is, was slain, he has, God has raised him to the highest place and given him a name that is above every other name. Amen? Because he is the lamb of God, he has the authority of that line of Judah. And it's the same for us as well. Amen? Well, I'll just quickly flip over to Philippians 2. You don't have to go there if you just keep your finger in Revelations. How are we going for time, Glenn? Greeks eat pork chops. All right. <laughs> Greeks eat Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So <laughs> what is she saying? We know that's not from the Lord. That's just weird. Like, don't worry, that's not in the notes. Um, says, verse 5 in in, uh, Philippians 2, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Now, when he had taken the scroll, verse 8 of Revelation 5, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden uh, bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Remember, this is not just a lamb like those cute little lambs that Mary had. This is a lamb that looks like it's been slain, like slaughtered, murdered. This is like it's, it's still got all the wounds on it. It's still got all the blood on it. And they're singing, they're worshipping, and they're singing this new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Amen. That's what overcoming looks like. That lamb was God's secret weapon. The lamb that was slain was God's Trojan horse. The enemy thought he had overcome and he'd done the worst, the most brutal things you could do to a person. The enemy did did to Jesus. Even on the cross, Jesus had no friends. He was shown no compassion by anybody. Even while he was there in his deepest place of pain, people still mocked him. You think you'd have a little bit of compassion for someone, right? who's been whipped and has been mocked, who's naked and dripping with blood. you think someone would go, oh, Jesus. I mean, later on, um, I think the women were there. But, but even the people on either side of him, the Bible said, reviled him. So that because he is the Lamb of God, it also means that Jesus understands everything that you've been through. 
Overcoming looks different in the kingdom. Do not be discouraged because of persecution. This is what I wrote in my journal. After just spending this, this behold, the Lamb of God, this Lord, the Lord was just speaking this to my spirit. Do not be discouraged because of persecution, suffering, being misunderstood, or the appearance of weakness. There is nothing that appears more pathetic, more vulnerable, more defeated, sadder, weaker than a slain lamb. A lamb cannot defend itself. And in Jesus' case, he did not defend himself. He could have, if he wanted to, he could have just obliterated everybody. But that restraint that he had because he, was, he committed himself to the Father in the midst of his trial. And because he did that, he overcame. Because he did that, he overcame the enemy. Amen? And the thing that the enemy thought was he'd won. He got the Son of God. You know, the thing that, yeah, <laughs> the cross that looks so ugly and it is so despised by people and is not what, if you look up aesthetic, you're not going to find it there, right, on the internet. That, that is the very thing that God used to overcome the enemy. As I said before, the same Lamb of God had all authority and was the only one worthy to open the scrolls. He defeated sin and sickness. He redeemed all to God through his sacrifice. The slain lamb was God's secret weapon, his Trojan horse, to defeat the enemy and liberate the captives. And as we behold the lamb, we will become like him. Amen? Behold the lamb of God. If we suffer with him, we will live with him. There's so many awesome promises in the scripture about suffering for the Lord. And this is one of them. And I promise you that... I'll I'll read this verse. 1 Peter chapter 2. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain... Of under, un, sorry, starting at verse 19. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. Everybody say, to this I am called. Because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So we're called not just to behold the lamb, we're called to follow the lamb, to be like the lamb, to walk in his footsteps. And then Peter is quoting from Isaiah 53. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, and I love this part, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Amen. And, and in the um, NASB, that was NIV that I was reading, but in NASB it talks about kept, you keep entrusting. So it's something you continually do. You're handing over, you're giving over yourself. Your emotions, your whole person, you're committing yourself to the Lord, you're yielding yourself up, you're surrendering daily, moment by moment. And of course, trust is part of the word entrusting. You're trusting the Father. 
Amen? To protect you, to heal you, to defend you, to work his nature in you. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And I just want to remind you that when you are going through stuff, it's not just for the Lord. It's not just for you, for him to work his character in your life. It's also for others. When you go through suffering and you go through pain, it's also for others. Davina is not getting sleep and she's going through stuff to look after her little boy, (laughs) right? But more than that, when you invite the Lord in, when you entrust yourself to the Lord in the middle of pain, people are watching you. People are following you. People are learning from your life. And also, just as the cross set people free, you allowing the Lord to work his his life in you through difficulties also can bring freedom to people. Remember, something that really spoke to me one time was the very people who were... Her na- her, we're putting the nails into Jesus' hands. He was dying for them. He was dying for the very people who were crucifying him. For their freedom. That's something to ponder. <laughs> and as I beheld the lamb, the Lord lifted all the depression off me and he pulled me out of the pit. And like I said, it's just like a, a distant memory. And, it, you know, I still go through stuff. I'm not perfect in this, but I have to keep Coming to that place, remember, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes off other people. And because he is the Lamb of God, whatever pain you've felt, Jesus has already experienced it. You know, often you can feel like no one could understand what I'm going through. No one knows the pain that I'm going through. And you know what? They might not. (laughs) But the Lord does. He's been through such extreme pain. And when you read everything that he's been through, such, you know, the people that he lovingly ministered to, now shouting, crucify him. The disciples that he had spent so much time with, all abandoning him. And then, of course, the physical pain. And he's been, you know, he's been through so much. He was fully God and fully man. It's not that he was immune to all the feelings that we go through. God, he felt them all deeply. As you read the Gospels, you see that so clearly. But he, Jesus, fully understands what you're going through. And that's why his heart is full of compassion towards you. And you can be guaranteed that he will comfort you like nobody else can comfort you. And then you, he can use that, that spirit to flow, the Holy Spirit to flow through you, the same comfort that you've received to comfort other people. And he doesn't, I'm not just speaking a word, this is real life. This is true. He's worked it in me. He has healed me over and over. He has comforted my heart over and over and just brought such a peace and healing. And I have to live in that place. I can't go out from here and go, oh, that was pretty good. I'm going to, you know, just look at everything else. And I have to stay locked in my whole life. Every day I have to stay locked in. I'm so dependent on him. I need him every day. There's a, a, 
beautiful scripture, Hebrews 4, and I've shared this before because this is one of my main go-tos every day, and I pray this. Seeing then that we have, in verse 14, have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. He was at all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So he's someone who has great empathy and compassion towards us. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen. So every morning I'm like, Lord, I just come to the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in my time of need because every day is my time of need. (laughs) When I'm feeling good, I need him. When I'm feeling bad, I need him. Every day is my time of need. Psalm 16 verse 8. Since I've set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. The only way we'll make it to the end is to keep our eyes on Jesus. Not on some pet doctrine, not on a person, not on a great preacher, not on ourselves. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Key to overcoming the world is behold the Lamb and follow the Lamb. Behold the lamb and follow the lamb. Amen. I'm just going to pray, but if you, if you would like prayer or you just want to speak to the Lord and just spend some time before him, if I can just ask um, the Satui family to come up and just lead us in some worship. I'll just pray and then, Glenn, if you have anything on your heart. Oh, Jesus, thank you, God. Thank you, Abba. Father, we just thank you for your word, Lord, this morning. And, Lord, I just feel like there's, uh, uh, that you want to heal wounds here this morning. And, Father, we just come to you because you're a God. You fully understand you fully understand what we're going through. You, Lord, you know us more than and better than anybody else could. So, Lord, I just ask you to bring your healing this morning. Lord, help us to, to behold you, to behold the Lamb. Lord, to know you. Lord, I pray for each one here that the greatest desire, the greatest cry of their heart would to be to behold the Lamb, to know you, Jesus, to know you, Lord. Lord, I feel like I've just had a sip of the ocean, Lord, to... All there is to know about you. Take us deeper, God. Take us deeper. But Lord, I just put that desire in our hearts, God, to, to seek you, to know you, Lord, as we read the word. Thank you that your word endures forever, Lord. Thank you for your faithful work in our hearts. Even at home, Lord, I just pray that you would touch people right now, God. You know what people are going through. Lord, just comfort their hearts. Let them feel your presence, oh God. Let them know you upholding them, just putting your arms around them right now, God. Just, just touch them, Lord, I pray. Touch them, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.